I've got my own theme song. If anyone knows it, Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow flying into action. And I hope that's what I accomplished today. No, I don't hope it. I believe it today. Amen. Um, I just want to honour our leadership in this church just briefly. I don't know whether they knew or probably, no, they did know, Women's International, International Women's Day on Friday. And we had a glorious female, all-female chicky band presenting today. Then we had a female communion and now a female preacher. So honouring our leadership who sees the value in womanhood. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Um, what else did I want to say? There was one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, yes, the really important thing is that I also want to honour... Charles for bearing his heart on the platform this morning and listening and being guided so fully and openly to the Holy Spirit. So thank you for taking us on that journey with you this morning. It was, oh, I don't know what anyone else felt. I was just, I, I can't put words to the spiritual sometimes, but it was awe-inspiring and thank you and I honour you today. Great, so that's all done, formalities. So yes, my name is Annalisa Colo and I am so pumped about what what I'm going to share today. And it is a privilege to be up here. I've had a doozy of a week, but I told the, told the enemy on Wednesday, if that's the best you've got, good luck to you, but I'm still going to get up and kick some butt on Sunday. So um, you wouldn't even believe the stories. I've had bushfires, I've had car breakdowns, you name it, he's tried, but here I am preaching the Word of God. So today's message comes from a real desire to acknowledge the amazing work of God, especially when we sing those songs like, I believe it, I have seen it. And so let us never forget to take for granted what the Lord does for us, amen. So what I wanna speak about today is the power of personal testimonies. And when we fully trust in the plans of God, which we've seen orchestrated today in words directly from God, plans of God, everything always turns out greater than we can possibly imagine or plan out ourselves. But even further than that, His plans and purposes have far more of a reaching eternal impact than what when we share our testimonies, what out of our testimonies and out of the grace of God, His immaculate glory um, our, and our testimonies form part of a much bigger plan and purpose than just those of personal satisfaction. And so the title of my message today is, I want the best view possible. And it's from that position, I wanna explore the concept and pose the question, do you see your personal testimony as part of a bigger picture. You know, I was sitting in an educational conference at the start of last year and I was taking notes on an app called Candy Crush. Um, but when the speaker started to begin to talk about and relate educational thinking to the complexity and enormity of Niagara Falls. See, I can do two things at once. Um, anyone been to Niagara Falls? Oh, just a few people, lovely. Well, I've actually never been, but this is what I learnt that day. Niagara Falls is actually the collective name for three falls that straddle the international border between the USA and Canada. And the Horseshoe Falls lies on the border of the two countries, whilst the American Falls and the Bridal Veil Falls are on the US side. Now, interestingly enough, to view the falls, you can choose a few observation points. Um, my first next slide, if that's all right, Jono. On the US side, Terrapin Point gives you a top-down view. The Maid of the Mist is another experience, it's a boat experience, that allows you to see the falls up close um, and from the base of the falls. 
There is also the Behind the Falls tour, which takes visitors along a tunnel that brings you right um, out behind the Horseshoe Falls. It gives you an up-close and personal view from behind. Now, the Observation Tower looks back at the American Falls, which also provides a broader view of the size and scale of just the American Falls. Now, that's all on the US side, but on the Canadian side is where you actually get a panorama of both the American Falls and the Horseshoe Falls. And again, it's a different vantage point of the magnitude of Niagara. Now, if that's not enough. In 2009, Canada built the Hilton Niagara Falls, which gives an impressive overall view of the Horseshoe Falls and the American Falls. And likewise with other hotels, mostly on the Canadian side, they also provide these amazing views of the Horseshoe and American Falls. Now you might be sitting here thinking, why are we getting a geography lesson about Niagara Falls? Well, you see, it struck me that day while sitting there and having never been here, or never seen or experienced Niagara Falls, but I was hearing about it and listening to it and looking at these pictures and thinking, well, there's great different experiences and views and observational options when you go to Niagara. But it doesn't matter which choice you make, you never really get a view of the full Niagara Falls. And then it struck me how this can be just like when we step ahead in our own strength and make plans based on what we think is the best course of action. But no matter what we plan or how we think it looks, in the grand scheme of life, it only reflects a small portion of the complexity and majesty of a plan orchestrated by God. When we forge ahead in our own strength and we make decisions based only on what we see at the time, we are making plans based on a partial or distorted glimpse from the observation point that we have as human beings in our own limited human understanding. You see, unless we truly hand everything over to God, our plans are only ever as good as a top-down or a behind-the-scenes waterfall perspective. We never really, really see an entire picture of an entire plan in its fullness and majesty. Now, that's not because God is withholding from us, but it is because we are not God. And when we receive a vision or a word or a scripture that clearly is from God, we can sometimes run ahead in our own, in our own steam thinking that this is where I have to land it or this is going to be the finish line. But we actually don't think of how this personal testimony of what God's plans for us might fit a bigger eternal purpose because we are only familiar with a here and now perspective and we just aren't wired to always consider the eternal impact first. Just think of that last point, eternal impact. What do we base an eternal understanding on? And by eternal, I'm defining it today as something that has a far greater impact and has a kingdom destination or has an everlasting, permanent, enduring effect on others. You see, God is incredible. 
He has created this world, yes, but there is nothing in it that is eternal. Is that because God made a mistake? No, but it's because the only thing eternal about our world is God. It is him. Our world is consumable, but more than that, everything has a lifespan. And you only have to drive around the neighbourhood to see the couches sitting outside on the nature strip to know that this is a consumable world. It's replaceable. We have no concept of eternal outside our understanding of God because everything in our society is either perishable or replaceable. And very much am I reminded of this when I have to jolly well go out and buy a printer cartridge, usually in the middle of the night, before something is due, amen. But there used to be many trips to the 24-hour Kmart in Burbank, because that back in the day during year 11 and 12 in uni, that was the only one available. And But then I was perplexed and quite challenged and confused as to whether to buy a replacement toner or buy a whole new printer because somehow they seem to be the same price. <laughs> like, what the? And so I was challenged. Like, do I stay true to my printer or do I just kick it to the curb and try again? But that's our human humanistic viewpoint, a replaceable uh, mindset. So how can we have an eternal understanding when everything is replaceable? Even look at the 12 apostles. Now, someone obviously didn't have a geography lesson in year 10 to talk about erosion, to know that that's, that's not going to last forever. Nothing is forever. So how in our limited understanding and lack of having a true experience of the eternal, the forever, never ceasing, can we then make plans that have an eternal impact? Especially when we're, we're talking about making the plans. That make, we make the plans that last a lifetime and impact even beyond our lifetime. Don't you think that the eternal God who knows the meaning of and is the example of and created eternity and who is eternal would be the best one to plan for it. So how then do we align ourselves with God's plan? You see, God does have a perfect eternal plan for our lives that contain reason and purpose and, and it is through scripture that we can find meaning and um, understanding of God's will for our lives. And not only that, it encourages us to trust in him. Proverbs 16, 14, um, sorry, 16, 1 to 4 in the Passion Translation says this. Go ahead and make all the plans you want, but it's the Lord who will ultimately direct your steps. We are all in love with our own opinions, convinced they're correct. But the Lord is in the midst of us, testing and probing our every motive. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan you make will succeed. The Lord works everything together to accomplish his purpose. And with that as, my ba as the basis, now in my conversations with God daily, I make a point of committing to his plans. As Matthew 6 verses 25 to 34 states, once we take our hands off the steering wheel, not only does the overplanning, our overthinking, worry of it all cease, but our mindsets adjust 
to the fact that the eternal God who raised Christ from the dead, who is majestic and wonderful, who makes the impossible possible, is now directing and has an eternal purpose for our lives. And nothing can come against his plans that we are a part of. And I'll say it again, his plans that we are a part of. So I encourage you as well in your daily walk to, and speak, and when you speak to God and say, look, God, no matter what my day looks like, no matter what my plans are, I hand everything over to you. And if my path or focus or direction changes because you need me to do something, Lord, allow me to be guided by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Now let's just take a look at Joseph, where, um, the story of Joseph, where this concept is very much a reality. Um, I'm just going to pray, actually. I'm just going to stop and just pause and just take a drink, if that's all right. Bear with me. Heavenly Father, as we open your word now, Lord God, let us see the story in new eyes, Lord God. See the eternal plan and purposes that you have for us. Lord, I just um, lay it down before your feet, Lord God, that um, as we read through and are challenged by this story, Lord, that you just send your Holy Spirit to um, stir up our hearts in a new way, in a new purpose, and a new mindset, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so... I kid you not. So when David McCracken was here a few weeks ago, he brought a prophecy about Joseph and I literally oh, just was like, oh, great. Well, there goes my whole sermon. And I turned to mum and she said, no, it's okay. God is obviously doing a work on Joseph. So before you say <laughs> ripped off, it actually is. <laughs> I had written this before. He actually did come. I haven't just pulled from him and listened to his podcast and reinvented the wheel. So if you are taking notes, we're launching at Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 to 10. And while you're writing that down, I'll tell you a quick story about Thomas. Now, Thomas, and I'm also mentioned that Georgia's turned two today. It's her birthday actually today. So she's made it to two. It's a miracle um, but for all of us. No, but, but Thomas, is, he's my four-year-old. And it wasn't when he was around about three years old, we started investing in buying some puzzles. Now, I don't know whether you've ever tried to teach a three-year-old how to do a puzzle, but it really... I had to stop. I had to really think about something that sort of comes naturally to me. How do I break this down and actually teach a three-year-old how to put together a puzzle? Something that I've done forever um, and you know instinctively how to do it. So I realised I had to talk about the corners and the edges. And I realised that it's best, the best place to start is when you find those edge pieces or those corner pieces, any puzzle people in the house great um, so if we are looking at Joseph's story through that kind of mindset chapter 37 which is the initial story set up about Joseph um, is like putting together a puzzle at beginning it's beginning with the corners and edges of a puzzle and, and here and here sorry and it, it is here where we find out that Joseph has um, gifts of dreams and interpretations and just like many other figures of the Bible God gives, gives Joseph a glimpse of his future but what strikes me as particularly fascinating about the story of Joseph is in the lack of description regarding Joseph's reaction to each circumstance and his genuine ability to remain sort of neutral in a way and just go with the flow. Being Italian, partly, 
I find that really fascinating. That how can you go through all the things that Joseph goes through and maintain your cool? Uh, I don't know. Um, but because we, we know it's an emotionally charged story because uh, Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, gives a description of Jacob who tears his clothes in, in mourning and also talks about Potiphar when he's found out um, that he's been deceived by Joseph. He, it says that, Scripture says, he burned with anger. So we know there is emotion involved in this story, but Joseph is impartial because I really believe that, as we've heard so many times, it was because of his complete trust in God. And there's also that repetitious element to the story, as you know, of God always being with Joseph and due to his complete surrender and trust in God. In fact, in chapter 39, verses 2 to 5, and chapter 39, verses 23, it talks about um, walking, that Joseph walks in the favour and success because of God. But even in the midst of what we can perceive as possibly the worst situation, when we trust God and lean on him, he will bring success and favour in the midst of darkness. And that is my first point. When we trust the plans of God, that God has for us, God's favour follows. If God is in it, therefore it is good. And that's what we've spoken about this morning and sung about this morning. God is in it. Therefore, it is good. But can you imagine what that feels like and looks like, especially in the story of Joseph? Because we find Joseph locked up in a prison. I think that's a pretty awful situation to be in. Yet because of the favour of the Lord, he was put into a position of authority and really afforded the greatest prison rights, even though he was perceived a criminal. In fact, if they had Foxtel back then, I'm sure he would have had a Foxtel account and had the best prison um, rights ever. But isn't that incredibly mind-blowing? Like, just think about it. Here's a man in jail, yet he's, he's got authority on the level of some of the, the guard keepers there. I mean, it's mind-blowing. But isn't that just like God, where we'd think, just get me out of here, Lord? He's turning the worst into the best, but it's never how we imagine it or, or see it. You see, if I could have a Bruce Almighty moment just for a minute, and if I was God, just for a second, um, or if I was Joseph and I'd been given these visions and dreams that Joseph had, and I suddenly found myself in a prison for a crime I didn't commit, and if I was to look at that current situation through my humanistic eyes, I'd start working out a strategy. Using the dreams that God has promised me, I, know the, I think I know the end point. You've told me, God, that that's what's going to happen. This is, this is how I would see it play, play out. Oh, great Yahweh, send your most magnificent warring angel to burst into this prison, break open the door and bust me out of here so I can head back to Potiphar's wife Give her the comeuppance that she deserves. Then I may travel home with your favour and say, surprise, Joseph's still alive. And then threaten my brothers to bow down before me. Otherwise, I'll give them some sweet justice too. Amen. But see, my plans still involve the fulfilment of the dream I was given. And that's what we can do sometimes. Probably not as dramatic as that. God graciously shows us snippets of a bigger picture and then we go about 
making things happen, fast-tracking it or taking control because we believe we know the ending and we try to make it happen ourselves. But then when things don't fall into place or things don't work out, we blame God or we think, oh, he's not there anymore. He's not answering my prayers. This is not where I want to be. How did this happen when God showed me that this was the right thing to do? Why, 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 God? But here's the crucial difference. God's plans are infinitely larger than what we know of and what we see through our humanity. And in the here and now, when we think we are seeing the whole waterfall, we are actually only looking at it from one observation point. When we make plans and decisions, we rush things because of a lack of trust, because of a lack of patience in the plan, and we base it on human personal satisfaction. And we do not have an eternal, bigger perspective. And so my second point is this. God's plans can take a while, one puzzle piece at a time. Don't we sometimes want the dreams and prophecies and words spoken over us to happen straight away? We're a bit impatient, or is that just me? I'm not sure. We also sometimes expect that there is an immediate response by God to solve scenarios in a day. We pray with the expectation the reaction will be immediate. But from the time Joseph received the vision, from the Lord to the time when we see it actually come to pass, is a journey 13 years in the making. And not only that, but isn't God's timing always, always, always perfect? And so after Joseph reveals who he is to his brothers, in Genesis 45 verses 5 to 8, it says this, And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. Now stay with me here. Initially, when we first are introduced to Joseph, we think it's all about the dreams. That one day, his brothers will bow down before him. That will be the grand finale of God's plan for Joseph's life. But we can all agree that Joseph's story is far greater than the personal satisfaction of Joseph seeing his brothers submit to his authority because at the time he was actually humbled by it. But Joseph in this instance is not talking about this. Here, 
he's actually talking about how God through him gave him the interpretations of Pharaoh's dreams and was used to save the entire nation of Egypt from famine. He's still talking about a personal testimony where God intervened and saved Egypt from certain death and the story we think ends there. God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. This has everything to do with the personal testimony of one man's faithfulness, favour and trust in God. It has everything to do with his brothers bowing down. It has everything to do with Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, submitting to the authority and power of a Hebrew God, the one true God, the great I am, working in and through Joseph. But God sent me here ahead of you to save lives is not a message for the present of Joseph's life. It is a trusted declaration of a bigger plans that Joseph submitted to when he first gave everything over to God. And I believe said, Lord, your ways and not my own. Because he is submitting to a much, much, much bigger plan, a bigger puzzle and a bigger waterfall that he may not have seen at the time, but desired in his heart of hearts to be a part of. And so when he is talking about saving lives and us now being in the fortunate position of having a leather-bound, study-amplified version, edition of still only a small part, but yet a significant travel tourist guide to Niagara Falls, we see that saving lives is actually about you and me sitting in the salvation seat that was predestined before you and I were born, made possible by men like Joseph who, were trust, who trusted unconditionally, submitted irreversibly and sold out recklessly to the call of God, to a call bigger than their own. You see, that was the ultimate purpose for Joseph's life. Yes, it was always about Joseph's brothers bowing down to God's authority working through Joseph. It was always about saving an entire nation from famine. It was always about positioning Joseph in Egypt. It was always about Joseph's faithful and obedient trust and desire to wholeheartedly follow the plans of God. It was always about the ruler of Egypt submitting to the authority and power of the Hebrew God, but it was always, always, always about the bigger eternal plan that sees you and I in 2019 living in the freedom of salvation. The children of Israel would never have been in Egypt if it hadn't been for Joseph submitting to the power of God and submitting to the plans and trusting in God. Pharaoh would never have oppressed the Israelites for them to cry out to Yahweh and deliver them into the promised land if it hadn't been for Joseph's faithfulness and commitment to the bigger plan of God. From Joseph's position in Egypt... Remembering Egypt represents sin and slavery and their journey to the promised land 
And if you look up your concordances, you'll see the New Testament talks about we are no longer slaves to sin. It then began a chain reaction of events that saw the Son of God, Jesus Christ, sent down from heaven as the Passover lamb to carry the sins of the world to to Calvary, who was crucified, died, rose again, and restored into a new covenant and relationship with God. And now it's you and me in 2019 sitting here living in that eternal promise. And when we give everything over to God, we are continuing the eternal plan that Joseph was a significant part of. Amen? Because of Joseph's forgiveness and humility, because of his complete trust in God, because he said, your plans are not mine, Lord, because he wanted to align himself with God, his life had an eternal purpose. His life had an eternal impact and his life had an internal perspective. And that, my friends, is my third point. God's plans are bigger, better and eternal. And in Ephesians 3.20, this morning when I was doing my hair, because that's when God speaks to me most, because I seem to zone out when I do my hair. Ephesians 3, chapter 10. No, sorry, verse, sorry. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 to 20. And this is amazing. This is God revealing himself in bigger, amazing, more tangible moments. Because I know that Greg, you'll be proud of this, Pastor Greg, because I listen in the teaching team. He talks about the headings for each chapter of the Bible, that it's usually a publishing decision. But here it says, in my message version, this is the secret plan of God. This, and this is what it says. I always want to read a big chunk of scripture. And so here I am, preaches as Paul, sorry, people speaking to the Ephesians. And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. Amen. Is that where I find myself today? The inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret. And behind the scenes all along, through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. Doesn't that just sum up beautifully what we're doing together today? And this is what it continues to say. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus says this and I didn't write this God wrote this this is amazing when we trust in him we're free to say whatever needs to be said bold to go wherever we need to go so don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down be proud and then I skip over to verse 20 and it says this God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And I think when I got this revelation of Joseph's story and got the revelation of God's bigger plan, it just, this this scripture just ignited something in my heart that if we're thinking bigger or not even we can't even think it, but when God, we're partnering with this incredible eternal plan, this plan that's far bigger than what we could hope for or imagine 
we can boldly ask for things that we can only dream about. That sure, I pray for the here and now and I pray for every circumstance and I pray daily for my family and my work, but now I think I pray for the area of Bundura, that there's a revival that breaks out because God's plans are way bigger. And if I can, he, he, he out imagines me, he out dreams me because he is God of the eternal. And so when we start to see and start to partner with God with an eternal plan, we can't, our humanistic is our limit, but we let's start declaring and believing for bigger and better. The word of the Lord says, God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine. So what are you imagining for today? What are you believing for today? Is it the best you can believe in? Is it the most you can imagine? I think we, we, we limit ourselves in our humanistic understanding of what we see in the here and now. But if we start boldly saying your plans Lord your plans yours are bigger far more eternal eternal. if you can get Joseph out of prison and put him into a position where he changes the course of the of history and the future forever what can you do for my life Lord if I partner with you and I plan with you Lord what can you what can we do together Lord what can, can I boldly be a part of your plans Heavenly Father would you by the grace of God allow me to be used in an eternal plan of salvation salvation for future salvation that we might never see we might ne- never know that we're a part of a salvation of people down the road what can we do God what can you do God that I can be a part of? What can you do, God, that you can use me as an, as an instrument for? And so now let's just be, think bigger, better, bolder, more, imagine, dream it, do it. Yay, amen. <laughs> so as I close, if you feel that God has spoken over you today, or if you believe that you need to start either handing over your plans or seeing the bigger eternal picture, then I just wanna encourage you to, as I said before, in your daily conversations with God, speak to Him and ask Him to lead you and guide you and that you'll put aside your plans if it means there's a higher calling or a higher purpose that He calls you to. And again, if it is a genuine realignment that you're after or if worry and stress seem to be taking a stranglehold over you, then use the Spirit of Truth, your Bibles, and speak exactly that spirit of truth into your situation. God, you can do anything bigger than I can imagine. You are bigger than my circumstance. When I trust in you, I'm free to say whatever needs to be said. Bold to go wherever we need to go. Use the word of truth. Direct it into your life. Speak it over you as if it's your language because it's God's language to us. Don't let my present trouble get me down, Lord. And let me assure you, there's nothing more lovelier, nothing more wonderful and nothing more encouraging than the eternal plans and purposes that the almighty living God has for us. And if I believe if you're sitting here today and you haven't experienced God in His fullness and His capacity and what He has for you, His plans are lovely. His plans are perfect. His plans are thoughtful. His plans partner with you, comfort you, guide you, challenge you, stretch you. But we just got to trust in Him. And I just encourage you today to just your plans, Lord. I trust you wholeheartedly. And that's why that's why you can do day. You can do a day after day. You can live life because God is partnering with you. Plans to prosper us, not to harm us. A hope like an anchor. We sang it before. A rock, a fortress and a deliverer. So trust Him to make plans on your behalf. So through the illustration of Joseph today, I hope you've got caught a glimpse of an eternal plan 
You know, God presents such an easy story of persuasion. Certainly for me, I'm sold out for God. I just can't get enough of my heavenly Father. Because if we, firstly, if we trust in Him and let go of that emotional involvement, no matter what circumstance life throws at us, He will bring favour. And secondly, plans take a while. They do, because God is building an extraordinary puzzle one piece at a time. And thirdly, when we stop trying to plan and maybe manipulate or maybe shift a few things, the perspective, maybe then we will get get to see how the puzzle fits together to make a beautiful picture and to see all three waterfalls simultaneously and see what God has in store for us. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you through your incredible word and your incredible stories of people that you, lives that you have changed, that we learn by and live in the glory of today, Lord God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you present an incredible eternal perspective for us to be a part of, Lord. And as we, we sit here today in your church, in your temple, Lord God, I pray that you lead us and guide us for the plans that you have on this earth, Lord. Let us please be a part of that. Would you use us, Lord, as we go out today? Would you use us to change the, the direction and, and, to, and to partner with the plans that you have for this world, Lord? Stir in our hearts something magnificent. Stir in our hearts something unbelievable. Stir in our hearts, Lord, something incredible. That it stirs up our faith, increases our capacity, Lord, to trust in you. God, if there's anyone here today who needs a new plan, if there's anyone here today, Lord, who needs to trust in you more for their direction, if they're feeling like they're up against a brick wall, Lord, show them plans, show them dreams, show them visions of what is to come. But let it not be limited by that, Lord. Heavenly Father, you are so good. And we just trust in you and hand it all over to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's give Annalee a hand. Thank you, Annalee. What we're going to do, we're going to stand just for a moment as we close. I think that was significant. You know, it's not my plan, it's His plan. It's not my life, my story, it's His story. That is what it is. We live for Him, we live for His call. Man, oh man, do we get impatient with our own plans and perspective. I love the whole, it takes time, one puzzle piece at a time. I'm not a puzzle maker, everyone would agree. I'm that kid that loses the pieces. Not when it comes to God, I want to know that every piece is positioned at its right time because He puts together the masterpiece that is our life. So what I want to do, I want to close our eyes really quick. Might even bring the lights down a bit. 
I think we need to always in this place be willing to respond what God says. He speaks to us through His Word, but we need to respond with our lives. So with every eye closed, just for a moment, if you've been, and I'm going to raise my hand for this, if you feel you've been impatient with God's plan for your life, God, I would do it this way. God, I would want to do that. I'm impatient. Why isn't this working out? This will still get the outcome in my time. But you need to give that back to God and say, God, I resubmit to your plan, your purpose, so that lives can be saved, so that I can play a part in a bigger picture that you have. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all the people that raised their hand this morning. Lord, whether we're dealing with impatience, Lord, unanswered questions, I thank you that faith overrides all of the questions with peace. Today, we give them back to you, our plans. We give our story back to you because it is for your glory. It is for your plan. And we live to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't He?